0: This is Speaking of Anthropology. My name's Kevin. My, My name's Dylan. We're here, uh, episode nine, uh on a Friday, um, with a special guest, uh, Taylor. How's it going today, Taylor?
1: Good. How about you guys?
0: Doing great. Yeah, uh it's going? Yeah, episode nine. Speaking of anthropology has really come a long way and I'm so glad we finally got uh our good friend, Taylor, to come on our show. Uh We've been through ups and downs through multiple classes at this rate, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Quite a few over a couple of years now, too. Yeah.
0: yeah. Could you uh, share a little bit about yourself?
1: Um, so uh, my name's Taylor Volman. I'm a senior here at UAF in anthropology. Um, my focus is in archaeology, though, um, unlike these two. But <laughs> it's it's I really enjoy it um, and been an anthropology major since I first got to campus, so taken quite a few courses with pretty much most of the professors that we have.
0: Yeah.
2: And so just to start us off with our uh, little list of questions, I'm curious uh, what got you into anthropology in the first place? <laughs>
1: Well, that's kind of funny because I originally was going, I applied to UAF as a sociology major, which no longer exists. Yeah, no, it doesn't. But um, (laughs) then I realized that's not exactly what I wanted to do. And I liked history, and I somehow thought anthropology would be halfway in between, which it really isn't. But uh, then I ended up really enjoying it. Um, One of the first classes I took was um, Anthropology 101 here, which um, is a discussion based class. And you get to explore all four of the subfields in a little more depth. And I really, really loved that. And so it got me hooked, really. (laughs) So here I am four years later.
2: And so was that class then also the class that not just got you into anthropology, but also archaeology? Or did that come later?
1: Um, I I always kind of thought I was going to do archaeology, Um, I think. I don't know now that I think about it, but... I liked history, and I was like, okay, archaeology is more of an in-between on that. And um, then uh, uh, Jamie Clark uh, was the professor for Anthropology 101, and she's an archaeology-focused professor. And so I took more classes with her, and I really liked it. And uh, now I'm in her 400-level zoo archaeology class, which is what I've kind of decided I want to focus on. So I really like that.
0: So you mentioned zoo archaeology. Uh, for for all our listeners, uh, could you maybe share what it may be or what it is, okay. or well, from your current academic experience, of course. Yeah. Um.
1: <laughs> so I guess the simplest definition is that it's archaeology focused on uh, animal remains, um, and using that to look at things like diet or uh, environment um, are like two of the big main things and social interactions is another main thing because you can kind of if you can based on like who's getting the best cuts of the meat you can tell who might be like a little higher up in society versus other people like the other areas of the site that's usually applied to more complex societies um and like hunter-gatherers it's harder to parse out but it's there still um But that's the basic thing. And you can also, especially uh, what I've been doing for my research project is you look at the bones under a microscope to uh, see for things like cut marks and uh, carnivore damage. So, like, there'll be, like, tooth puncture marks um, and acid etching, which can be a sign of, like, dogs swallowing small bones and then pooping them out. And (laughs) you find those uh, mostly with, like, small, like, hand and feet bones. But it's really interesting and also for, like, burning damage um, and try to get at cooking, which is hard to see. But that's one of the things that a lot of people want to look at.
2: So then I'm curious, when did you, like, first start studying zoo arc, right? Like, w- was that something that you were able to be introduced to when you were introduced to archaeology broadly or?
1: Uh, No, not r- really that much. I... I just kind of decided I didn't really like lithics that much, which is the other one of the other main focuses of archaeology, which is stone tools. And while they're very interesting, they just don't fascinate me as much as animal bones because I feel I, I like things like looking at cooking practices or um, social interactions more, which you can get at with lithics, of course. But um, I don't know. Also, just identifying bones is a little bit like puzzles and I love puzzles I've always loved puzzles and I think that's kind of what I've got me into it although like with lithics the one thing I was like "Ooh, I could do like debitage and try to like piece it together but that would be way too mind-numbing for me to try to like come up with a core based on all these little tiny pieces of <laughs> stone <laughs> whereas it's a little easier sometimes with animal bones although they can be really fragmented and tiny and then just like yes this is some part of an animal we can't tell you what animal or what part or you can kind of narrow it down but not that much
2: yeah some some animals they don't got very big bones do they you know you have fish bones and stuff they can be
1: yeah and then it gets into issues of preservation that's i think another reason why a lot of people focus on lithics is especially in alaska there's not as many sites that have really good uh faunal bone preservation um so you are only left with the stone tools and things like fish and like small bones really disintegrate easily. Um, Or the issue is that if it's an older site that was excavated like 20, 30 years ago, they didn't uh, go through a screen with it or the screen size was so big that you're not going to catch anything that's like smaller than a fourth of an inch, which is most fish bones that you're going to find, a lot of bird bones, any like small rodents or uh, mammals so kind of biases your sample at times but that's something that zoo archaeologists are working on
2: (laughs) it's the that's the uh one of the important aspects of anthropology and archaeology that we've discussed before is, is that it in technology and methodology it keeps advancing right and so you can see you know as you were saying 20 30 years ago they weren't doing this but these days the state of the art for the field is progressed a little more.
1: Yes, and also, though, I would say one of the other issues with zoo archaeology is you find that a lot of sites aren't... Like, the excavation isn't usually led by a zoo archaeologist because you don't know if you're going to find any bones because the preservation could be so bad that there aren't any. And so a lot of times sampling strategy is changed once they find that they start finding a lot of bones, which kind of biases it, too. Yeah,
2: I can (laughs) see some problems with doing that because yeah yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean it depends on where it is I would say most um, people screen to some extent or at least most of it Um, like when I went to field school this last summer we screened everything but the screen size is still pretty big compared to um, what you would need for rodents or birds or fish so I think it's like if you find If you start finding that there's a lot of fish bones, then you would switch to a smaller screen size. But most people now screen, depending on your area of the world, because certain areas have certain standards, which aren't maybe the best, but it's just what everyone does, which I know it's a little interesting there.
2: A little bit of, like, the geography of the sciences, right? What people are doing, where with them. Yeah, exactly.
0: So to to really... Think about archaeology and zooarch in a, in a wider lens, right? Um, you know, we, we all had archaeology uh, 200 here at University of Alaska Fairbanks. And we, uh, you know, practiced, uh, the, you know, going out into the field, uh, finding a site and, uh, you know, digging or excavating layers and then uh, putting it through the, 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 what was it, the the screens and the the sections clearly you can tell both uh well at least i am a cultural anthropologist so not as well versed in archaeology but <laughs> that's why we have our expert here um <laughs> uh but you know when we when we consider archaeology on this like wider practice um and i know this is something we had a conversation with dick earlier on in ep- or earlier episodes that um there's this this sense that, uh, cultural anthropologists or, you know, linguistic anthropologists are focused more on the analytical side. Whereas when you look at an archaeologist, um they're on the field, they're really you know, it's they have to camp out in a field school and and spend multiple months and days in the o- and then during the on seasons when you'd go, right? Um do you get that sense that I mean it's tougher to be an archaeologist comparatively to cultural anthropologists or linguistic anthropologists or so on so forth
1: i think it depends on where you're excavating a lot of it in alaska a lot of the sites are really remote where no one lives so anymore at least um and so it creates this problem of you have to get there and then luckily my field school was like on the road system so i could come back to fairbanks every weekend but if you're out somewhere where you got there by plane you're stuck like you're there the whole time and you might get some supplies flown in but you're not getting out (laughs) and um i think that's more of a situation that's unique to alaska um or some other remote areas of the world but like i would say in more of the rest of the united states it's a little more developed where you can go into town every day or two get a nice shower and get some more food and things like that um so you definitely have to balance it but I think also cultural anthropologists and linguistic anthropologists go out in the field and biological anthropologists you all go out in the field to some extent um but maybe not to the same extent
2: <laughs> well yeah the, the field setting is going to change right because for most cultural anthropologists they concede is the field site is going to be where people are and archaeologists don't they only need to be where people were they don't need to be where people are and so that can change things right where up here like cultural anthropologists they do go out to very rural communities but at the very least there are people there who thusly have like they already have established at least some of the amenities that people need whereas for archaeologists they might be in a place where no one has actually lived there for A very long period of time, hundreds, maybe a thousand years, depending. So very, very different.
1: Yeah, that definitely changes things. And as far as, like, analyzing things, I would say that a lot of archaeologists aren't employed in a way that they can analyze it. Um, There's a lot more archaeologists who work seasonally um, just doing excavations. You can be a shovel bum for a while. Um, But... If you want to actually have, like, year-round work, you are going to be analyzing things, mostly in the winter up here. But it the yes. field season changes depending on where you're excavating, of course, so that varies.
2: Yeah, we've discussed in shows past, like, the how Alaska, for a lot of it, you have, like, the three or four on, and then, like, you know, eight or nine where you you're back in the lab or in the museum, you know.
1: Yeah, or setting doing, up you know, for the right. next Analysts. season. Well,
2: yeah, but that is that's the other thing, right? Is that even when you're back, you know, not all your time is going to be spent on one thing or even on one project. So plenty of folks they come back, they're doing analysis on one thing, planning another project, writing grants for a third or fourth. Or
1: yeah, yeah, you have to be thinking quite a few months, if not years, in advance to try to get uh, where you want to go. Or like a lot of times. Um, archaeologists are employed by companies that um, have to have a cultural uh, resource or cultural heritage survey. I can't remember the exact name of the survey, but you have to have a survey to make sure that there's not archaeological sites um, where you're planning on building something, um, which make I mean in Alaska, that's like there's a lot going on with that. Other areas it's been more extensively done in the past. So that varies and then also sometimes that can lead to you doing like a uh, salvaging ex um, excavation but like that's you have only a short am- amount of time to excavate everything and then it's the development's still going to go on anyways or you can be like all right there's no sites in this area that we saw in our survey which sometimes misses things but at least you tried to find them.
2: <laughs> it's an imperfect process for sure
1: yeah well and you can't excavate everything that's the issue there's like no. it's not like we can just tear up the entire globe to find all cultural yeah. heritage just ever
2: remove entire layers of the earth just to find every last draft for history yeah
0: let's begin with the lithosphere right now <laughs> <laughs> this is speaking of anthropology my name's kevin my name's is dylan uh, we have a special guest on our show today taylor taylor have any do you have any Favorite songs that you like to share with everyone today?
1: Um, yeah, so I chose a couple different songs. Um, the first one I chose is "Love Me Two Times" by The Doors, which is one of the songs we listened to at my field school this last summer. So I thought I'd play that.
2: All righty, this is "Love Me Two Times" by The Doors.
0: This is speaking of anthropology. My name's Kevin. My name's Dylan. Yeah, you just heard uh, love me two times the doors uh suggested by our special guest today in the studio taylor how are you doing today taylor i'm doing great now taylor have to ask uh yes you opened a door for all the listeners just now uh to listen to this uh love me two time song uh, wh- wh- why is it your favorite song
1: uh well i i it's one of my favorite songs or just one of the songs i like to listen to but it's more it brings me back to field school uh we listened to it a couple times um while we were digging in the dirt which even in a remote area you always bring like a speaker or something to listen to music because it gets pretty boring otherwise
0: yeah this is this is very interesting because um a few shows back we talked to dick and uh he mentioned at the field school uh you know you'd have some folks playing certain music and then the next person would come on and then cue their music um I mean, I, I'm just curious, was there ever a, a showdown or a Rochambeau? For <laughs> a little for,
1: bit. Yeah. Uh, it was more that like people didn't want to necessarily be listening to the same things that everyone wanted to be listening to. So they would try to put on headphones. But then after um, some things happened, we made a rule so you could only have one headphone in at a time. And that really made people angry because they're like, I don't want to be listening to two separate songs at the same time, especially one I don't like. Um, And we had a few people who were really opinionated about the songs they liked, which is fine. And um, we would play their music quite a bit too because they, I mean, they still liked a variety of songs and you're always going to find something that everyone can pretty much agree on. But no. Yeah, it can get a little contested at times.
0: (laughs) The politics of music at a (laughs) field site. Um, This is something that uh, is always interesting. I think a lot of anthropologists um, who, you know, aspire for a a career um, will will get involved with the field school. And it's kind of uh, your internship opportunity, right, in a way. Um, Can you talk about maybe a few, so yeah, you've been to one field school and, you know, You've also uh, traveled and studied abroad, right, and had different experiences. Can you talk a little bit about maybe field school and what you guys found there?
1: Um, So we were actually excavating at two separate sites during our five-week field school, um, which was awesome. We got to experience some things uh, that were a little different from each other, especially based on where the sites were, because one was in a wooded area and one was in an area that Uh, wildfire came through like 10 years ago and so there were no trees which was nice because it kept the bugs down because there was wind all the time but it was also you had no shade and it was 70 degrees in the hot sun and so (laughs) that got really old really quickly definitely got pretty sunburned at field school Um, but I mean it's more you I think it's a good chance for you to find out if you really like archaeology uh because you're either gonna like meticulously digging in the dirt or you're not and um if you don't you probably shouldn't be uh taking that as your like main uh source of income possibly but um if you really do enjoy it and you're always gonna make great friends there you're gonna meet some cool people you can definitely work for a few years or more like just traveling around going to different excavation sites throughout the world because they always need more people because mostly um, people who are leading the dig they don't always dig themselves they're more leading the crew and you have to have a lot more people doing that than (laughs) leading so um, it was a good experience I really loved it Um, met some great people really learned how to dig in the dirt which sounds crazy but you gotta like gotta go in different centimeters and you have to have uh like nice uh walls as you go down because you're digging in. usually meter by meter units um and then you dig within those units in like a quad so it's like 50 centimeters by 50 centimeters and you want to make sure that everything you screen comes from that one quad and then if you go through it well different people uh excavate by different layers. So in the US we usually use more arbitrary layers. so it's like zero to five centimeters, five to ten. usually in five centimeter increments sometimes not depends on the excavation. Um, and in Europe it's more so you dig by stratigraphic profile. so it's like you get through one type of dirt and then you get through another one, which can be a good like there's pros and cons to both. Um, and even when you're digging within the five centimeter increments you want to be digging by the same soil type so if you find that you're going through a different soil that should be screened separately than the last thing but and noted in your notebook which is one of the hardest parts is you have to take such meticulous notes but it's it's fun
2: one of the uh, features endemic to all of anthropology, right, regardless of its cultural, linguistic, biological, archaeological, you gotta have good notes. You don't have good notes, you're not doing good science is what it really boils down to a lot of time.
1: Well, especially, yeah, anytime you're out in the field, you can, you want to get as much information as possible while you're out there. And I think one of the main issues with archaeology is you need to take that good, like, great notes because it's destructive. You can't Redig a site so if you don't take good notes the first time around you're losing so much information
2: especially with so much of the knowledge derived from the context of artifacts context being key and so if you if you lose that and you just have a bunch of assorted artifacts and no notes then they don't do a whole lot of good
1: yeah exactly actually um there's a box of stuff that's now in the zoo archaeology lab here that came from an archaeological site but it's been housed for like 20 years and something degraded somehow so they don't know the context of the bones at all anymore so they've just become a teaching collection because you can't do anything with it you can just have it as a comparison for um, identifying bones in the future which is a good way to use them but you're not gonna get the same information that you could have out of them.
2: Yeah, it's a. It they've moved from like an informational resource about a site or a locality to just being a teaching aid.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is unfortunate, but also really cool to see as a student trying to learn.
0: This is something interesting that I'm, I'm considering right now. Um, you, you know, you. We all are at university, you know, we travel, and when you travel somewhere, you have to pack. You have to prepare for this long journey, and I know if you're at field school, you're out there for quite a bit of time, right? Any recommendations for packing, or, you know, is there one thing that you're like, you're you're in the middle of this site already, in the middle of nowhere, and you're like, gosh darn, Taylor, I, nah, I should have packed it, you know, oh no, you know, is there anything?
1: <laughs> oh man, well... I mean you definitely need a tent (laughs) and um, a nice sleeping bag is good. When I was there the first week it was really cold every single night. By the end of it it was mid-June and I couldn't like I would wake up before my alarm because I was too warm. Um, But also for me I got a very nice sleeping pad because I'm like I'm sleeping on the ground for five weeks. I do not want to be just sleeping on the ground. But there were some people in my field school who didn't bring a sleeping pad at all and just slept right on the ground, which is fine. But I just know I couldn't do that. It would wreck my body. Um, also, I would say pack a lot of snacks. Like where I was, we had to uh, hike a mile in and out each day. So we were hiking over two miles a day. And I didn't realize how much food I could eat when I was working that hard because I hadn't worked that hard in a while. I mean, the joke is you go to archaeological fat camp because you lose so much fat and gain so much muscle just from having to get to the site and excavate. You get some nice arm muscles from screening bucket after bucket and uh, just troweling in the dirt. It's You wouldn't think of it, but it, it really adds up.
0: To, to all the listeners... Don't go to the gym. Don't go <laughs> work out. Just go to field school. <laughs>
1: really, I, I mean, you knew, like the first week we were pretty slow going up to um, the site we were working at. But by the end, we could like get in and out pretty quickly. A little out of breath, but pretty quickly.
0: <laughs> this is something I'm also curious about. I mean, logistically for, you know, I know that, you know, whoever sponsors like the university, an example, sponsors uh, the logistics behind traveling and then, you know, packing all the supplies. Um, Were you you involved a little bit with that? And could you talk about maybe how much there was? I mean, other than personal gear, right?
1: Other than personal gear, um, a lot of it was tarps because um, at the end of you excavating, you have to backfill the pit you dug. So um, you put what you're screening on tarps and then you shovel that back in. So a lot of it was tarps. You also have to carry the screens and then a total station, um so that was heavy as well we also had uh for the second side we were at we had to bring a chainsaw because it was an area that burned and there were all these down trees in the way so that was crazy getting there the first day without a trail so um which was an adventure and you definitely have a lot of stories afterwards but um I don't know it, you, you get strong at carrying things and the problem is with screens especially they're just so awkward to carry that you get tired doing it but it's got to be done
2: it's got to be done it's not like uh you're at one of them dig sites that can afford to Im- be important pack animals and then everything and, you know.
1: yeah well yeah and like where we were at a lot of times we were hiking through the swamp so like if you're hiking with a pack animal in the swamp it would just make the trail so much worse like the first day when we went to the second site where no one had been in a few years or maybe the second day the first day was rough because we had to make the trail but like the second day it wasn't too bad we actually didn't have to bring like waterproof boots you could get to the site pretty easily but by the end of it i mean one of like the main trail was a swamp for a good like maybe a third of it fourth of it somewhere in there and so you had to wear like extra tufts or something
2: <laughs> maybe uh you know a little bit of environmental archaeology for future archaeologists to see where their predecessors were by where they uh, start carving out game trail looking things yeah and exactly digsides. yeah,
0: <laughs> so, yeah I, this comes to mind and i, I want to hear your perspective taylor um and, and dylan actually and we, we've talked a lot about this but Um, you know those who think about anthropology think about it as Indiana Jones, Tomb Raider uh, Lost City of Z Uh, uh, those are the things that pop in my mind immediately you've lived through these field school experiences and I mean you're saying going through a swamp and then climbing a a mile every day to get to the site and you know 70, 80 degree weather and then also freezing cold Um, you know How do you feel? I mean, uh, clearly it's not real. We get that. You know, it's a Hollywood film. But, you know, any thoughts?
1: (laughs) I mean, you feel pretty adventurous at times. But not like Indiana Jones. Also, you're not getting to keep any of the artifacts that you find. So uh, that's the other thing there. But, um, I mean, like when we had to break trail, it was crazy. Um, Some people got heat stroke. Uh, It was insane but like you're climbing over logs like i was i had this huge backpack on my back i'm like carrying a shovel in one hand and like a bucket in the other climbing up over these down trees and you kind of feel bad at uh but um it's i mean you feel great but that's a rare occurrence like that was only one day of the whole trip like you feel great like once you make it to the site but then you're also exhausted like all right i just hiked a mile i'm gonna sit down for a minute
0: sounds very heroic and uh adventurous to me i mean (laughs) you know at carrying and then ringing and also you know getting down into the dirt and excavating it it all is just this 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 whole experience so highly recommend it
1: uh yeah also i think to some extent archaeologists like exaggerate what you what happens at field school because it is a fun story to tell but yeah i recommend it you make so many friends it's a great experience get to uh, go to a lot of remote areas that you wouldn't get to otherwise
2: speaking of recommendations i think it's time for another song break do you have another musical recommendation for us
1: um yes so actually when dick was on here last time he uh played one song by band I really like, which he actually played my favorite song of theirs, but I'm going to play another song of theirs, which is All the Pretty Girls by Kaleo.
2: Alright. This is All the Pretty Girls by Kaleo. This is Speaking of Anthropology. My name's Dylan. My name's Kevin.
0: Got a special guest in the the studio here at KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks, uh, Taylor. Taylor uh, is a fellow undergraduate here at the University of Alaska Fairbanks studying archaeology and specific zoo archaeology and everything in between, right? And uh, working hard as a college student as we all are. It's like, what, you know, a few more weeks out of school left and, you know, and the semester's about to end. How's are classes going?
1: It's a lot, but it's good. Um, I've been mostly doing a lot of research for my honors thesis, uh, which takes a lot of time, but it's something I enjoy. And then um, I've got a couple other classes where I have some projects coming up, but it's pretty good.
2: Speaking of projects then, uh, you've you know mentioned, I think a little bit, hinted out a little bit, that you have an ongoing research project. And I was wondering if you could discuss that a little more for our listeners
1: okay so i don't want to mess up the background information because i'm not as familiar with the site as other people are um but i'm looking at these bones that were excavated well the site has been excavated two times one was i think in the eight late 80s early 90s and then one in the early 2000s um and so it's these caribou bones, predominantly caribou bones, like 90 percent of the site is caribou bones, uh, with great, I mean, for Alaska, great preservation, just like all bones that, um, have been excavated, but no one's been looking at them, so they've been sitting in the museum for a couple decades, um, and it's a really interesting site because there's so many bones, and so, They've kind of had it so that the previous zooarchaeology class identified one level of bones. So, like zero to four centimet- or zero to four inches. These were excavated in little different units than a lot of sites are. Um, and so, a previous class did that, but then, in order to publish any data off of what they um, collected, you have to do a taphonomic analysis of them which is you look at the bones under the microscope to see what happened to them after the animal died. And so I've been doing that. Um, and Dr. Clark has been training me on how to do that, and I've been going into the lab a few times a week, and I look at these bones under a microscope to see for cut marks and carnivore damage, also, like, if there's percussion damage. So, like, if people are trying to make stone tool or not stone tools, but bone tools out of... Um, these bones um things like that uh mostly I've been finding a lot of dog gnawing and quite a few cut marks too and if you like hopefully I'll be able to get at things like butchery practice um, based on the cut marks and where they are located so pretty much when I find a cut mark I take a picture of it and then I draw where it is on the bone in like a booklet thing that I have so I do that a lot and that's same with uh, dog gnawing marks or uh, tooth punctures so like they just little puncture marks in the bone, which is really cool to see because then you can like see maybe even the size of the tooth kind of if they're really good or you can get especially if they're on like both sides of the bone you're like, okay, this dog, most likely a dog had this in its mouth, which is interesting. and with that you can get at things uh, possibly relating to if the people were feeding dog-specific elements of the body. So, like, are dogs only getting access to vertebrae or are they allowed to uh, bite at, like, humerus or um, any limb bones?
2: Get get a glimpse on you know, what, what, what is considered or might have been considered dog food and, and suitable for them versus what wouldn't have been traditionally and stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So... Uh, You know, one of, one of the the questions that we, we always have uh, for our guests and sometimes they, they run on, um, you know, and we, we started off the show uh, ta- asking you about zoo archaeology. And, of course, it's within the subfield of archaeology. But anthropology, I mean, it's so broad to me sometimes and I, I can't understand it, um, even though I am an anthropologist myself uh you know i think that's why we all came here for an education um could you maybe define anthropology for us what
2: what for you specifically for you taylor is anthropology
1: oh man that's such a hard question to answer um i would say that anthropology has to do mostly you're looking at i mean of course humans are in the equation they have to be so um like humans in the past present future but um mostly relating to culture and, um, how that influences our behavior, I think is kind of a broad, but good definition of anthropology.
2: No, no, it's a good definition, I think. And that's the thing with, uh, this question, right, too, is, is that it always gets us different responses, right? And, and I think it would be, um, it would be a bit unfortunate for the field, right, if we got like the same response from everybody about like, oh, anthropology, you know, it's just this one thing, right? The point of the field is just that it's, it's, you know, trying to study humans and humans are complex and that's gonna make the field and the definitions and boundaries of the field complex.
1: Oh yes, for sure. Well, and, like, we have a hard time defining what culture is, too, so that oh, yeah. really relates to that. You
2: know, defining all sorts of definitions. What is culture? What is religion, right? You know, these questions like that, you know, where is where does anthropology end in other fields begin, right? The crossover between anthropology and other fields, all those interesting hybrids between our science and the others and even you know some of the non-sciences as we've discussed in the past with anthropology and art and that kind of stuff too so
1: yeah it's super interesting and that's one of the reasons why i love it is it's so broad you can always find something you're interested in
0: uh, taylor as an anthropologist uh do you do you have any questions for i mean us uh specifically i mean and we also appreciate uh you know all the all the work that you're doing in, in the, the research and collaboration, I know, uh, Dylan and I and have discussed with you and and also you know all our friends Delaney Reese give a shout out, uh, Kendrick McCabe, uh, you know, uh, we all have these great conversations about anthropology. But do you have any like questions that you want to ask about anthropology to to the listeners and to maybe to Dylan and I? We can try to answer it.
1: Uh, you know, I can't think of any because like. i I don't know there's a lot that i could ask about but i I can't think of any at this exact moment it's just such a broad field that trying to pinpoint one question (laughs) is pretty difficult
2: when you're dealing with questions of you you know what it means to be human right pinpointing pinpointing more specific things can
0: be a little tricky
1: yeah i guess have have you guys given your definitions of anthropology yet
0: You know, we've, we've attempted, um, and, uh, you know, every show we, 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 ask our guests and, you know, I mean, personally, the one I, the one spiel that I think, you know, that I I think in the same, same same as you Taylor is the past, present, future, right? We're understanding, uh, humans, the relationships, the behavior, behaviors, um, in which we are, are, and, um, and then. You know, even more so through uh, a radio podcast show like Speaking of Anthropology, how we can uh, communicate and uh, contain this this thought, this moment, and this ex- this experience. Uh, and on our very first show, very very verse episode, we we had Marshall Solomon speak on the lived experience, right? And so that's something we we definitely look towards. Absolutely, absolutely, you know. And so I
2: think. Just to briefly give mine then, in all fairness, I always tell people, right, we discussed this in the first episode with what is anthropology, I always go with the most basic thing in the world. Anthropology is just the study of humans, because, you know, it encapsulates it, and then you want to you wanna break it out, get more specific, get into the details, you can do that, but just study of humans. So thank you for coming on to Speaking of Anthropology here at KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks, Alaska. And uh, I think you have one last song for our listeners for today.
1: Um, Yes, uh, this is kind of a nod to my dad um, because uh, he introduced me to Stan Rogers when I was a kid. Um, So the song I have is Northwest Passage by Stan Rogers.
0: Thank you very much for
2: coming on the show today, Taylor. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is Northwest Passage by Stan Rogers. Behold.